Excellent. Well, listen, uh, we spent about four weeks talking about the miraculous uh, of God, the miraculous uh, work of God and the kingdom of God. And so I wanted to come uh, and circle around, and we're going to spend this month focused on the importance of prayer. And obviously being the month of Thanksgiving that we celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, one uh, idea of prayer is uh, Thanksgiving, that we give Thanksgiving to God. You'll get that uh, the Sunday right before Thanksgiving, and Pastor Warren, how many remember Pastor Warren? Come on, give a shout out. Uh, he's going to be preaching on that Sunday while Angie and I are down in, in Sierra Vista uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with Wade and getting him plugged into a church down there so he can keep his faith strong, amen? Um, parenting never stops, just let me, you know, express that. If you're parenting, it just never stops. You think it's over when they head out, but it's not. Um, so uh, that'll be an exciting time for Angie and I, and we wanted to do that because once he's done with his training, who knows where he goes and who knows the next time we see him. So um, Mama wants to see her son, and Mama's going to get that. So, uh, But we spent our time focused on the miraculous, and I, I felt like, you know, uh, if you really want to see the miraculous at work, there's only one way to do it, and that is to get a hold of the heart of God. I understand the grace of God and how it works in our life. I understand the gifts of God and how they work in our life. We don't earn that from God, but we've got to make a connection with God. We've got to connect well with God to be able to receive what he's offered us, to be able to receive those promises that he has declared over our lives through his word. So we can read the Bible. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But hearing the Word of God and reading the Word of God are two separate things. You can read it, you get an intellectual understanding of it, but to hear the Spirit of God speak, to, to, to breathe upon His Word and bring it to life. We talked about Logos versus Rhema, the written Word of God and the living Word of God. When it's living and breathing, the Bible says that it's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing asunder and separating joints from marrow and spirit from body so it it literally when we read the word of god when the spirit of god breathes on that what happens is it comes to life in us and and you know what the word becomes flesh you start to become like christ you know the bible says that he is transforming he's changing us into the very likeness into the very likeness say likeness he's changing us into the very likeness and image of his son jesus christ so as we read the Word of God and we pray and we invite the Holy Spirit to come, uh, by the way, Spirit, another word, pneuma, say pneuma. We were singing that song and it said, you know, it's your breath in our lungs, right? So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. See, in the beginning when God created Adam in the garden, the Bible says that he breathed the breath of life into him. He pneuma into Adam and Adam came to life. And that, that very DNA, if you will, when he breathed into him, has been passed down to each and every one of us. God's DNA passed to us. Now, Adam's sinful DNA passed as well. But the way God created man to function, as in your physical body, your lungs, being able to function that way, it's breath that you breathe in and out. And in him we live and move and have our being, right? And, and, and it, it is the... Uh, uh, the whole earth, the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. See, nothing exists without God. Everything that is around us, the air we breathe, was created by God. Pneuma. We breathe it. Without breathing, you can't live, correct? And so, so in that, what I'm saying is, is that 
to understand the, the uh, communion with God in prayer is much like the air you're breathing. Think about it that way. That's how important prayer is. You can read the Bible, but if you don't have that exchange with God that, that invites him to breathe upon his word and bring it to life in you, then what good does it do? Has anybody ever encountered somebody that just Bible thumps? You know what Bible thumping is? Anybody ever heard of Bible thumping? Who's got a regular Bible, like a black one, a big one? A big, that'll work. I mean, that, that'll plumb knock you out, you know what I'm saying? But, but you know what Bible thumping is? Is when I know scriptures and I can quote scriptures and I just want to thump somebody with the word of God and tell them the word of God and I can quote the word of God. Did I almost hit you? With your own Bible. That'd be even worse, wouldn't it? You want to just beat somebody, you know, you just throw that scripture out there, but it doesn't have life in it. And what it does is they, they feel condemned, they feel judged. You know, the word of God, if you will, the way it's defined, you know that, that on, the, on the day that we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is he going to judge us by anything but his word? No, it's according to his word. But see, he took judgment upon himself when he died on the cross. He took judgment upon himself. If I be lifted high, he said, I'll draw all men unto myself. The word study, I've said this many times, and, and I'll probably say it a thousand more while I pastor Gateway Church, because if you could have any revelation to understand that when Jesus was crucified on that cross, he drew all men unto himself, how he drew all judgment unto himself. He took the sins of mankind upon himself and was judged for the sins of mankind. And it is a, it is a shameful, it, shameful, it is a um, sad day, sad day to stand before the Lord since he paid the price not to receive the gift that he's offered to us, amen? But how do we do that? How do we experience the miraculous we got to make our connection with God. we got to get connected to Him, not just to know Scripture, but to exercise that in something called prayer. So the title of my sermon today is Coming to God with Confidence. Coming to God with Confidence. We can come to Him with confidence when we have realized what Christ has done. We know we can boldly come before the throne of grace. But we can come to Him with, with that confidence and in that in that sense, it's the relationship that builds the confidence. You know, I have a, 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 a very strong confidence with my wife that, you know, I can almost finish her sentences, you know what I'm saying? She can finish mine probably better than I finish hers. That's because of relationship. That's because of years of interaction and relationship. I've gotten to know my wife, and not just what my wife says, but what my wife means when she says it. Come on, gentlemen. <laughs> You know, it used to be she'd say something, and I'm thinking one thing, and she was thinking another. And I've learned over the years, you know, to, when she says that, this is what she means. She knows when I say something, well, that's what he means. She understands me. She gets it. She has a relationship with me. I have a relationship with her. And let me say this, that it pales in comparison to a relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we'll interact with him, oh, life is far greater with a very, very real relationship with Jesus than it is without that. And so coming to uh, God with confidence, Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is there a question mark at the end of that? What is there? So he's matter of fact about that statement, isn't he? Are we as matter of fact about what Jesus is saying to us as he is in saying it to us? Huh? Y'all with me? Y'all quiet. Thank you. I preach better when you talk to me. He's matter of fact. In that statement, he is matter of fact. Now, how many of you experience that whatever you pray for, you receive? All the time. It just happens. I mean, you lift up a prayer and boom, there it is. Come on. <laughs> how many of you say, uh, 90% of the time that's the case? 80? 70? No hands? 60? 50%? Okay, we're getting some hands going up. 40% maybe? 30? 20? Man, we need this message bad. That's only 10% of the time. When you offer those prayers up and it's like God answers those prayers. Now, I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. I want to live, I want to live in the spot Jesus declared I could live in, not the one that I arranged for myself. Can you say amen in the house of the Lord? So listen to this. Prayer is the primary activity for building confidence towards God. Prayer, then, is the primary activity for building confidence, to confidence towards God. Well, no, the Word of God is. Well, reading the Word of God and getting into your intellect is a great thing. But getting to that place of where you're fellowshipping with God and you're interacting in your God. God, your Word says this, and so I lift up my family to you, and I lift up my life to you. I lift up, God, where, where my life may not be holy. Make me holy. And God, you know, and how does He make you holy? He'll discipline you. Come on now. God, I lift up my finances to you. God, I lift up my job. God, I lift up those hateful situations in my life. God, I lift up, you know, come on. That you find your life being that constant prayer. You may not be on your knees 24-7 saying, God, do this and God, do that. Or we could even do, the, you know, the aspect of where, you know, you lay before God and you pray, Right? I'm, you know, I'm talking about the face down prayer, not on your back on a pillow. I've done many of those prayers where I start to pray like, and I wake up, I'm like, well, I meant to pray. <laughs> Come on now. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? I mean, you got to work, you got kids to raise, you know, you got sports to get them to, you've got, you know, you got all kinds of stuff to do. You got cars to do maintenance on, right? You got, come on now, you with me? you got all these things to do, so how do I pray without ceasing? What's the situation you find yourself in and lift up a prayer? What's the moment that, that you experience something that you have been praying for and God does answer you and you lift up a praise? Because that's prayer. You get what I'm saying? Praise is a part of prayer. It's, it's honoring God. Thanksgiving, which you'll hear more about Thanksgiving week, that the prayer of Thanksgiving and understanding what it is to be grateful to God for what he has done in your life. Do you know gratefulness is a great road to even more? When my kids expressed gratefulness to me for what I was doing in their life, they found that they were blessed even more. 
when they had attitudes of like, so are you going to do more for me? I'd be like, no, absolutely not. Now I would, you know, I took care of them, but you get what I'm saying. All those bells and whistles that they want in life, they get an attitude of like, you know, expectation and entitlement. I'm going, yeah, we're going to dry that little well up for you, you know, and help you understand what it is to show honor and thanksgiving, a, a heart that's generous. Why? Because I'll raise a brat. Come on now. Is that too hard? I encounter a lot of young people out there that would do well to have some of that discipline going on in their life. When I look at our society today, there's a whole lot of attitude of entitlement and, and, and just not enough attitude of gratitude going on in our society. Prayer is the primary activity for building confidence towards God because it is relational. Because it is relational. Confidence, what does it look like? The noun, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. The feeling or belief that someone can rely on someone, that, that uh, one can rely on someone or something. Firm trust. The synonyms, trust, belief, faith, comp, uh, credence, and conviction. Credence. You don't hear that word a whole lot, right? Credence. The word of God has credence. You can trust it for what it says. It's a, it, it's a creed. It is, and it's not going to change. God, God declares that about his word, right? He sent it out to accomplish, right? what he sent it out for and it will not return to him what void so what God declares over your life what we've learned about the miraculous through the Word of God the promises that he declares over your life they are and they do not change they are just awaiting you to align yourself to them if you remember the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 Daniel finds himself and his uh, his uh, brothers and sisters of his nation find themselves in captivity they find themselves in that place of captivity and all that time is gone. Now, now, now relate this, the importance of the word and prayer. That he's reading, he's reading the book of Jeremiah. He's reading the writings of Jeremiah. And he says that in, in, that, in Daniel 9, and it's not in your notes or anything, but go back and read Daniel 9 this week. He understood by books and by number the prophecies by Jeremiah the prophet, he understood by books and by number that what Jeremiah had declared, that that 40 years, that it had been accomplished. And they'd come to that moment of what God declared over their life. When Jesus died on the cross, all the promises of God became yes and amen to those who placed their faith in him. And you can go to the bank on it. You can trust him. That's what this is, confidence. I have confidence in that what God's word declares to me is true. And it is not a lie. So when I approach him, I have to approach him as he is and understand that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You could say right there, diligently seek him. Just you, you write the word prayer. That I seek God in prayer. Because I know that I, I am me and I have all these fallibilities about me. And so the, the only way that I can deal with that and align myself to the word of God is to seek God, to pray to, to, to ask him to help me, that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete would come and help me be more like Christ. And I align myself to him and I find that his, that's when his word works in my life. It doesn't work, work, work well when I fall on the floor and kick like a spoiled brat and demand my way. <laughs> Anybody found that that works? Jesus is on the main line somewhere in this room, I'm telling you. It's okay. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. Those things happen. It might be my phone. Let me check. I've done that before. You all getting this today? 
Daniel prays, and what happens to Israel, man, they are just a, you know, they're just a bunch of brats. They were blessed, and see, they begin to forget the Lord, and it's like, you know, look at what we've done, look at what we've done, and next thing you know, they find themselves in captivity, and they're slaves, and they start to cry out to God again, and here's Daniel. He prays what is known as the prayer of alignment. God, we've sinned, we've fallen short, and have shame of face, but you, O oh Lord, are righteous, and you're true, and he begins to identify what the Word of God declares about God and bring himself in that place of alignment and say, God, now, once he prays this, he gets to the point, oh, God, hear. So you can get declarative. You're not bossing God around. All you're doing is, is saying, I have confidence towards you now because I've aligned myself to you. Oh, God, hear. Listen and act is what he says. Go read that story this week. It's an amazing story in Daniel chapter 9. Oh, God, hear. Listen and act. Open your ears, God, and hear this. It isn't like God's ears was closed, right? Come on now. But he's bold enough to declare that and come to that place. Listen and act. And that's exactly what God did. According to the prophecy of Jeremiah, it now comes to pass. Daniel was just putting himself into the word of God and praying. And the next thing you know, all that God's word declared as a promise to them. By the way, one of the favorite scriptures of all time, Jeremiah 29, 11. Come on, can anybody say it? Right? I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope, an intended end, or if you will, a blessed end, right? That's what that was. He understood by books and by number, and that aligns itself. Let me move along here. So confidence, you have that confidence. Daniel had that confidence because he knew the word of God, and he sought God in prayer. He came to God with confidence. See, needs are not hard for God to meet. Needs are not hard for God to meet, but for God to meet our needs, we need to meet with God. Meads, no, meads. Needs are not hard for God to meet, but for God to meet our needs, we need to meet with God. Amen? <clears throat> so in that, uh, your first thing here where it comes to meeting with God. If we meet with God, prayer increases our confidence in God. Prayer increases our confidence in God, reflecting back on that first scripture, verse 23 through 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Prayer increases our confidence in God. And the second thing there, prayer increases our confidence to ask God. How many of you ever felt like, ah, I just, you know, I, I could probably do this better, I could probably do that better, and so you don't have the confidence to ask God for something when you don't feel like that you're doing everything right. Come on now. Can I have a show of hands in here today who feel like if I was better, I would feel more confident to ask God, right? Amen? Can you give me an amen? I feel that way sometimes. If I was better at this or better at that, then then God would probably do more for me. Somebody say works. It's not based on works. Alignment is different. See, see, there might be some work in aligning yourself to God, but it's not like that effort is like, if I do this, then I'm going to get everything I want. It's, no, God's waiting to bless you, and all it is is putting yourself in the right place. How many of you ever heard the, the statement, it's not just what you know? How many of you found out that there's a whole lot more to do with who you know than what you know? Huh? What you know is important, 
The who you know is more important than what you know. See, the who you know opens doors. And then what you know comes into action. See, knowing the Word of God is not enough. You've got to know the God of the Word that you read. Amen? He is the Word. <clears throat> Verse 24 says it this way, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, underline that, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Next point here, the time we spend in prayer takes the focus off our ability and sets it on God's ability. See, the time we spend in prayer takes the focus off our ability and it sets it on God's ability. How many of you agree that God's ability is much greater than ours? So if our focus, prayer, when we're praying, what are we doing? We're drawing near to Him to get a perspective of who He is and all of a sudden our ability isn't as important anymore. God's ability working in our life is the greater importance and at that he increases our ability he increases it how again i'm going to say it the paraclete the helper the one that lives in us see i'm dead anyway right come on say i'm a dead man say i'm a dead woman see i'm crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet it's not i but it's christ that lives in me and if he's the one living in me what happens is is then then i get out of the way and start getting the focus off my abilities and get them on God's abilities working in me. Amen? Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says this, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This had to do with the rich young ruler, if you remember. Jesus uh, uh, offers him to come follow. He, you know, he wants to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, what, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, he goes, well, you know the law. He already knew the guy was a keeper of the law, right? You know the law. And he goes, yeah, I've done all these things from my birth. From your birth, you know. <laughs> I've been good. I've done the right works. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and come follow me. Take your trust out of your unrighteous mammon and put it in God. Because you can't serve God and mammon. That's what Jesus was drawing the line for him. You can't serve God and mammon. Go, so go sell all that because you've got a lot of trust in that. Go sell all of that and then come follow me, right? And what does the Bible say about him? He went away sorrowful. And the disciples are like, well, who could enter the kingdom of heaven? I mean, he's kept the law. And, you know, they're, they're thinking like, how is that possible? He goes, hey, with man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We're going to shift here and then look at Luke 1 now because this all plays within the context of, of that happening. Uh, the disciples are learning and they come to that point and now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now we shift over because the, this story here going on is in Luke is the same in Matthew but it gives that reflection where they ask him actually to teach them to pray. So we shift over into Matthew where the same thing's basically going on. And Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen most people know that prayer 
And you could say that prayer, but, but Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, say this prayer and everything's good. He was saying this is the model because all of these things that exist within what he's explaining in that prayer are things that we need to be doing. They're things that we need to be exercising. We did a series a long time ago called Your Rooms of Prayer and that all those things are distinctive uh, 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 when he declares about you have the forgiveness room you're forgiven those that have trespassed against you you know i forgive those who've trespassed against me as you forgive my trespasses that that's a forgiveness room and so that, that's a great series that we went through and we may may visit that again in the future but for for today what i want to focus on is that jesus is saying if you will pray this prayer if you will function that way you will have confidence when you come before your lord and savior you'll have confidence when you come before God, why? It's hard to have confidence when you know that you're holding on against somebody else, when you know you're holding on to things, and you come to God who says, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. It's kind of like, well, then his love is conditional. No, his love is unconditional, but he requires you to love others the way that he loves you. Come on now. Come on. That's the one that's hardest, I think, to exercise the kind of love that God exercises towards us. Amen? So I'm going to give you here seven prayer exercises that will condition you to come to God with confidence. Seven prayer exercises that will condition you. Say condition. Anybody ever done conditioning? Who's played basketball in here before? Who's run suicides before? Man, when the coach said, we're going to do some conditioning, all I know is my brain went, oh, suicides. Right? Sometimes the disciplines that we have to do feel just like suicides. Why? Well, it's work. No, it's just hard on your flesh. To give your spirit the greater place, sometimes your flesh will scream at you like, I don't like this. I know you don't like it, but you're going to submit to what God wants me to live my life like. Amen? The first one, the first one, interact with God relationally. Interact with him relationally. Romans 8, 15 says, You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, he received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy. Daddy. Look, here's, to me, the number one thing that people have to have where it comes to their relationship with God so that they keep things in a right perspective, that it's not like, well, I got to keep the law and I got to do this right and I got to do that right. And if I don't, then God doesn't love me. And the number one thing is to have a relationship with him. How many of you know I do everything right where Angie and I are concerned? And that's why she loves me. Thanks for raising your hand, buddy. I really appreciate that. <laughs> One hand in the whole room. You know. Now, how many know Angie does everything right, and that's why I love her? <laughs> Angie, you are not allowed to raise your hand on that. That isn't right. You can't vote for yourself. Are you getting this about your relationships? How many, how many husbands and wives love, love their spouse? Come on now. Right? Some of you don't. Well, see me for some <laughs> see me for some counseling this week. That's all I got to say. But you get what I'm saying here? It's because you have a relationship. See, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. When you have love for one another, what happens is it's like well, you got shortcomings, but I know I got shortcomings too. And so what happens is is that love starts to work to cover one another and to minister to one another and to make one another better and walk forward together. You know, how many of you like your friends and the folks that are around you that, that endure those times and you walk together and it's like, man, I was a real stinker during that time. And that person stuck by me, right? Come on now. Vice versa, the spin on that. 
the greatest friends I have is the ones I fought with and made up. Come on now. The only reason why my marriage still works is because I fought with my wife many, many, many times. And we made up. And it works. Why? Because through that, see, we fight out insecurities. We fight out a, I want what I want. Our flesh, you know, struggles to have its way, correct? Come on now. Marriage is sacrifice. Man, you want to take it up another notch, raise some kids, and then you really find out how much your life isn't yours. Come on. And you know the blessing of all those things, of, you know, sticking it out and walking your marriage. And look, if you've been through divorce, here's the wonderful thing about God. His grace covers that and gives you another opportunity. I don't want to leave you out if that's the case. Please understand, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to make it, well, if you, if you didn't keep it together, then, you know, God can't bless you. No, God can bless you. That's the beauty of this. It's not based on your works. But the greater blessing is based on being in right relationship with Him. And anybody that's lived through a, a bad relationship certainly knows this, right? You don't want to do it again. Come on now. So you either work on the one you're in, or, you know, if it's not and you can't get that worked out, then you got to work something out. And then, you know, God doesn't intend you to go life alone. Come on now. He wants us to be in relationship. But the primary, the first relationship, the one that will cause all of our other relationships to honestly work better is our relationship with God. So that first one is very, very important. Interact with God relationally. Two, use the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus. It is the most powerful name. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. If you tap into relationship with your Lord and Savior, right? You got that relationship, he gives you the authority to use his name. The church is considered in, in that, in that uh, uh, typology, if you will, we're the bride of Christ. All I know is my wife took my name and she's got all the authority of it. She could clean our bank accounts out, if you know what I'm saying. Cool thing about Jesus, his bank account is never ending. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about all the blessings and the benefits of the promises of God. That when you are in that covenant relationship that, that Ken Wick was talking about in, in our communion time, when you're in that covenant relationship, you can go to your God and say, this is what my need is. And just like Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive if you ask without doubting. The only reason you would doubt is if you question the covenant relationship you have. And all I know is it's not broken from his side. It's like, Pastor, stop preaching hard. Come on, that's good. It's not broken from his side. Daniel recognized it was broken from Israel's side, and Israel had to mend the covenant so they could receive the blessing. It's not that it's conditional in the sense that God wants to be conditional. What he's saying is, is it wouldn't be good for me to bless you in the state you're in because you would continue and become far worse. So, so know that if you return to this, then all that blessing starts to come back upon Israel. All that blessing begins to come back upon our lives when we align ourselves because it's an affirming aspect that we are like our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we're becoming more like him. Use the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. They are safe. Number three, put his kingdom first. Put his kingdom first. Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Come on, can you argue with that? Can't argue with it. <clears throat> 
four, ask Jesus to help you. Ask Jesus to help you. If you've ever been in that desperate state, that's the only thing you know to say. Jesus, help! Right? It's like, I don't have words, I don't know what to say, but I just need your help. It's one of the greatest places to be in. That point of desperation. I talked uh, in the miracle series, I said that, you know, if you look and you read about miracles, you'll find that people were in a state of desperate, wherever a miracle took place, somebody was in desperate need. That state of desperation causes us to cry out to him for help. And guess what he does? He helps. His spirit is called the helper. He prayed the father that he would send the helper. Jesus will show up and help you if you call upon him to help. Psalms 121, 1 through 2. Look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Number five, forgive hurts and offenses. Look, forgive hurts and offenses. They are a block to the blessing of God. Forgive hurts and offenses. Romans 12, 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Number six, confront temptations confront temptations ephesians 6 10 through 11 and verse 18 says finally my brother be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil wiles that's a word anybody ever uh you know watch roadrunner growing up and I, I know it dates me i think i see kids nowadays watching it because you know it's kind of everything circles around you know what i'm saying it might seem like the what are those stocking things in the 80s that they wore they're coming back, man. I'm like, they were gone, and why in the world would somebody bring those back? Angie and I was out shopping, and it's like, what the world? Who brought those back? And it's like, well, this generation likes them. It's like, oh, great, you know? It's crazy. Let them, let them go. Leave them there. Don't bring them back. Hmm. See, the thing about confronting temptations, guys, and you think about it, what tempts you more than anything? What tempts you more than anything? Is it, is it just the lust of the flesh? Or is it that you feel like you deserve more and you don't have it? And that's when it works. Do you know that at the root of that, we can begin to question God about whether he's taking good enough care of us? Whether he's doing us right? <laughs> Come on now. See, this takes it much deeper. That means that you've got to jump back to the last one I told you. If you've got a hurt or an offense towards God because you don't feel like he's doing enough for you, you kind of got to let that go so you can, you know, deal with that temptation. That temptation to shake your fist at God. That temptation to say, God, you're not doing enough because I promise you, he is a good parent. <laughs> your kids acted that way to you. It's like, yeah, let me give you more. Mm-mm. Any good parent. Hey, you know what? If you're not going to be grateful... I'm not going to reinforce that behavior, that's for sure, right? God's a great parent, and he won't reinforce behavior in our life that will make our life worse, amen? So confront those temptations. Uh, uh, verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be uh, able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 18, praying always, say praying. Always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is not just for me. Prayer is praying for one another. I pray. Close your eyes. God, I pray that all of us in this room would love you and serve you. 
Lord, honor you with our life. God, where we fall short and where we don't feel like we can, then Lord, we call upon you and ask you to help us. Because we can't, but you can in us. And then Lord, we yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Number six, confront those temptations. Number seven, faith in God's ability. Faith in God's, have faith in God's ability. Have faith in God's ability. One, uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, key there, underline it, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the, uh, excuse me, the petitions that we have asked of him. That if we're asking according to his will, basically, ironclad, it's going to happen. Do you know when it's going to happen? Nope, but it'll happen. And you continue, petition, what's a petition? Is a petition something you just, it's done and, and it's, no, a petition is something you bring before. See, there, there's that aspect of bringing it before the Lord and bringing it before the Lord and bringing it before the Lord. Until it happens. See, people get you to sign a petition, right? And basically they get this many names and it still doesn't change. And what happens? They just, oh, well, I give up. Or what do they do? Uh, I'm going to get more names, correct? I'm going to keep going at this until this thing happens, correct? And I'll say that's what prayer is. We keep going at it. Our prayer team here is called PUSH. Anybody tell me what that means? Pray until something happens. Thank God for the wise ministry of this church and the, the prayer ministry of this church. Amen. The petitions that we have asked of him. Finally, uh, you have a spot there. A guy by the name of E.M. Bounds. He wrote a series of books on prayer. Great series to get. If you wanted to know more about prayer, get it. E.M. Bounds, look it up, and you'll see, I think it's seven books on prayer. He said this, prayer projects faith on God. Prayer projects faith on God. And God on the world. Only God can move mountains, but faith and prayer move God. If we come to God and we pray and we seek Him with hearts filled with faith. It moves God to move mountains in our life. It really, prayer is what opens the door to the miraculous to work in our life in a greater way. Stand to your feet if you would. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that it is filled with principles that we can apply in our life. I thank you, God, that it declares over us that we make ourselves available for the Holy Spirit to come and work in our lives. And God, he, he will work your word in our life and bring it to pass. So, Lord, this morning, I just pray for all of us in the room, for hearts that are yielded greater than they've ever been, to believe in what your word declares for our life. Got to pray for a deeper and richer relationship from each and every one of us towards you. God, the pray without ceasing. I, I just pray that in the, the days, the weeks, and the months ahead, that, Lord, we find ourselves as we get up in the morning that there is an attitude that this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. No matter what we know we may be facing or the challenges, uh, what our work looks like, 
that God will rejoice that you have made the day. And that God would submit the things that we're challenged with. That's you who give us witty ideas. And God, whatever challenges us, you can give us a witty idea to overcome it, to deal with it. Father, to conquer it. And Lord, to be the one that shines. We're the head and we're not the tail, your word declares. So Lord, I pray that our prayer would increase. That we seize every moment, every opportunity on the drive to work, over a cup of coffee, God, in our devotional times. Father, when we come to church on Sunday mornings, that we'd enter the house of God and we'd lift up a prayer of praise. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me the opportunity to worship you, God, freely. To express my gratitude and love for you. God, I pray that, if anything, we would see it as a relational connection with you. Conversation between man and God. Conversation between our God and ourselves. God, I bless every person in this room today. I bless the members that couldn't make it today. And Lord, we speak life over our community, over our city. We pray that many would come to know the saving grace of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, pray that Gateway Church, Lord God, would make a difference in, in its community. Pray for all the churches in our community. Father, you'd cause, uh, Lord, the pastors and the leaders and the members, Lord, to value the word of God, to honor you so that our community would see a bright and shining light that reflects the love and the glory the grace and the mercy of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, have a great week.